Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so thrilled to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, Child and Teen Development Specialist, author and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy, especially now, but we're in this together, and thankfully, we have some wonderful people helping us along the way. When a child or teen comes to their parents and says, I'm gay, in any way that they do, parents are often left with many unanswered questions fueled by fear, lack of knowledge, or concerns about the well-being of their child. The conversations that need to take place are not as much about you answering questions for your child, but about your child answering questions for you. Your child has likely been navigating the coming out process for quite some time now, and you will be faced with decisions about how you will react to this information. How will you share this information with others? How can you best support your child? What if you fear for their safety? What's the deal with pronouns? You might also grapple with how your child's sexuality fits in with your faith, your previous hopes and dreams for them, and your relationship. Well, it doesn't make sense to stick our heads in the ground. It's time to learn the answers for everyday questions and concerns when you are a parent, aunt or uncle, teacher, grandparent of a child who is gay. For guidance on this topic, we have Kristen Russo on the show today. Kristen Russo is a writer, speaker, educator, and consultant with a focus on lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer issues. She is also co-host and producer of Buffering the Vampire Slayer, alongside musician Jenny Owen Youngs, which was named one of the top 30 podcasts of the decade by Paste Magazine. She has a great book with co-author Dan Owens called This is a book for parents of gay kids. I am so very excited to have you on today, Kristen. So welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm really thrilled to have you. It's such an important topic. Parents really care. We have such a great and loyal audience who are just so excited to get the information so that they can have these tough conversations, but these conversations we have to have. But before we get into the thick of things, for those who haven't had the opportunity of reading your book or hearing your podcast, would you take a moment to tell us what gets you up in the morning and what Mm -hmm. got you so interested in writing a book for parents of gay kids? Yes, of course. I mean, I think that uh, there's a lot that gets me up in the morning these days. Um, There's so much going on in our world. And my work intersects with, uh, you know, queer issues, even even through the podcast that I do about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, my work with the LGBTQ community is always my top priority and the community over there. And certainly, obviously, the community that has followed my work specifically with LGBTQ communities is so powerful. And it's been incredibly powerful through the 
2016 election cycle. Um, it's powerful right now when people are living a life that we couldn't have imagined just a few months ago. And um, so, so those are things that get me up in the morning, knowing that I have the honor of being able to contribute. Um, and I think that what got me here is that I am queer. Um, I identify as queer and I ha came out to my parents as bisexual when I was 17 years old and they had, this was in 1998. Mm. So, um, the, the resources were, unfortunately, you know, there aren't too many resources even still in 2020, but there are more. And I wanted to contribute to that conversation because my mom, especially who, um, was raised Catholic had enormous questions, um, that I couldn't answer for her, both because I didn't have the answers and also because I was 17 and that, that was not what I wanted to be doing with my time. <laughs> this is your issue, not mine. Yeah. Yes, and, I get it you know, when you're 17. sort of corner people and say, like, corner queer people that she met and say, like, well, can you tell me anything? Oh. And, and, and so this book to me is very uh, meaningful personally because I, I wish that I had had it um, yes. for my mom back in 1998 and I'm so glad that people have it now. Oh, it's so important. Your book has so many questions that people have on their minds, so diverse in the questions, and it's very user-friendly, so easy to read, and you you just provide the information that would be on a parent's mind. You start the book off with a chapter on coming out appropriately, and you <laughs> say, kids come out to their parents in various ways, across a dinner table, in a letter, or through a song composed on the ukulele. Some <laughs> com coming out moments happen accidentally. Others are planned and thought out for months or even years. And you go on to talk about how, for some parents, they have had a hunch for quite a time, and for others, it comes as a surprise. But given that this podcast focuses on these pivotal conversations, and I think the one where a child shares their identity with their parents is pivotal, even if the conversations are ongoing. It's, it's important to start with a conversation around this. So what should and what should we not <laughs> do when a child, when a, a parent suspects their child is gay and when they actually are told by their child that they are gay? Because give us some do's and don'ts. Totally. And, you know, this, I think what you outlined uh, in, in what you just said is that everyone is going to have a different experience. Right. There is no like cookie cutter, uh, you know, one size fits all approach. But there are certain guidelines that I think can be really helpful. Um, in most cases, it is not great to ask your kid if they are gay mm. or bisexual or queer or trans, um, if they haven't brought that to the table. If they've been dropping hints all over and you really know your kid and you really feel like they want you to ask, right. then, you know, navigate that on your own and, and what have you. But usually um, a parent might pick up on something that a kid does not even know themselves. And I am, have personally lived that experience. My mom asked me if I was gay um, when I I was 12 years old and for many years after, uh, and I had absolutely no inclination. I was not thinking about, uh, you mm. know, being attracted to people at that time. It made no sense to me and it made me feel very self-conscious. Like, what am I doing that is giving off this signal mm. to my parent? Um, and so that that can put a kid in a, in a tricky position if they don't know yet. Um, and it can also put a kid in, in a really tricky position if they do know, but they're not ready to have the conversation. I've had conversations with young people who um, have felt 
so awful because their parent asked them and they said no. Mm-hmm. And so now they're battling not only coming out, but also the fact that they feel like they lied to their parent um, or that they have to go back on what they said. So usually it is best to let your kid come to you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can, and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk more about this, but you know, creating environments where kids can feel comfortable coming to you, mm. that's totally in, in a parent's control. And I loved when you there. said, I loved when you said in the book, you want to be an askable parent. That yeah. is so very much integral to this podcast. Be an askable parent. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, in that, hopefully in an environment that you're creating where, you know, you're talking about equal rights and you're talking about, um, you know, p- people who are queer, um, tele- watching television shows where there are, um, you know, gay trans characters uh, mm-hmm. highlighted and their stories are shown. Those are ways of like kind of giving your kid or kids the hint that you are a parent who's going to love them no matter what be open to them no matter what and be there for conversation and for learning. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, in the second part of your question, you said, well, then what do you do when Mm -hmm. uh, they do come to you? And I think that, you know, so many of these conversations are always portrayed as this moment of like a coming out moment. Well, they're videoed, right? So many of them are like all over the internet and they're they're weepy and fabulous (laughs) and you're crying while you're watching them. Yeah. Right. But I think like real life is a bit different than like these bites that we see Mm -hmm. um, through media. And I think that's really important to remember that these are not this is not a one and done. This is like a process. It's a process for parents, family members, the kid uh, who's coming out. It's ongoing. Um, And I think the best first step, the best first thing to do is in whatever way you normally would communicate that you love your child and you're thankful for them coming to you with a big part of them. Mm -hmm. Like that's what they want to hear and need to hear in that moment, right? Not, certainly not, I knew it. <laughs> I knew it, or, or are you don't. sure? Yeah. Please don't, please don't. don't. Do uh, right, right, not are you sure, <laughs> um, but just like, if you can think about keeping it very simple and straightforward, that your child is sharing a part of themselves with you, that's like the goal, right? That's like the best thing that can happen in a family, in a family relationship, a parent child relationship. Um, thank you for sharing this with me. I'm so happy that you trusted me with this part of yourself and I love you and I'll always love you. There mm. will be things that happen after that conversations that happen after that. But if you can start there, I think that's a very positive place to begin. Mm. So important. And your wording is great. Let's highlight that script that we're making sure that they know for sure that they are loved no matter what, there's nothing they can, I, I say to my kids, there is nothing you can do or say that would make me take my love away. I love you every single day. And it just keep saying those things. That's like right before they go to sleep every once in a while, I'll say something <laughs> like that. And I, you know, you nurture that in your kid and throughout life you do, you know, they make a mistake and you say, even though you made a mistake, I, I love you. It's, it's, there's, there's nothing that you can do or you can say to me that's going to make me say, I don't love you anymore. Right. So hopefully you've been nurturing that all along. And in this moment, it's not the first time that you're saying, I love you. And this is, please, thank you for coming to me. And also, this doesn't change anything. You're still yeah. the same person. So reading your book, clearly you acknowledge the fact that many parents are fearful when they hear that their child is gay because they worry about their safety. I mean, their heart's in the right place here. In this day and age, people 
are still scared of different even though they are way more accepting than they once were. Some parents might want their child to hide their identity in school or around the community or in a religious setting, given bullying or unfair treatment. So what do you say to parents who are scared for their child and how do they approach their child with these concerns so that they, they know it's founded in safety and without going, I'm hoping you're gonna hide what you just said to me? Right, right. So I think that that's like the way that you phrase that is really important because there is a way to have those conversations which are valid and real without it being something that makes your kid feel ashamed of who they are and like with a way to let your kid know that you're always going to be standing by them. You're always going to be there to defend them. And those are really important um, points to have in those conversations. And so, you know, again, this is going to differ from city to city, town to town, um, community to community, and also depending on what kinds of activities you and your kids are involved in. Um, And safety can mean so many things, right? I think all of our minds immediately go to like violence, like physical violence. They might be physically unsafe, but there's also um, being unsafe in terms of what people might say to them um, and, you know, making them feel emotionally unsafe. Uh, And so, you know, talking about those things specifically, what do we mean when we say, do you think you will be safe? Do you feel safe? And really, really getting to the heart of that, what that means, I think is important. Um, And then, you know, you you can't force your child to hide who they are. Because that's, you know, that's unsafe, too. Um, That can be really unsafe for Mm -hmm. a kid to feel like, you know, they cannot be honest about who they are in any circumstances is over time, especially it can be really damaging, especially like mental health wise, mental health wise. Exactly. Exactly. Because, you know, if if you're saying out of sort of one side of your mouth, like, you shouldn't be ashamed of who you are. But then on the other side, you're saying, but you need to hide it. It, You know, that side can start to really dominate. And so I think that, you know, talking to if you're a parent involved in your child's school and you're worried about school safety Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know parents have a lot of pull at schools (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know do you have other parents in the community who you know would stand on your side on your kid's side in terms of educating the school more making sure that the school can um, become a safer space for them if so start those conversations you know and tell you have that be open with your kid right i'm worried about you do you feel you would be safe what do you think would happen are there other kids who are out at your school? Mm. Let's talk, like really have that conversation openly. Um, and if you feel like maybe they should wait a little while or maybe tell a group of friends first before they do like a bigger public announcement, you know, there's a lot of paths to follow. And I think that parents getting involved with the administration of a school is incredibly important. It signals to your kid that you that they have your it signals to your kid that you have their back. Mm-hmm. And it also um, signals to the school that there is a parent or hopefully many parents who are actively pushing for the school to take steps to make it a safe environment. Just highlighting something that you're saying is the subtext that you really need to ask questions of your child. Like, are you feeling safe? Not just supposing that they are going to feel unsafe, not supposing that that they are going to Mm -hmm. make a public announcement, but just asking 
what will make you feel more safe? Yeah. How can I help you to feel more safe? How much involvement would you like from me yeah. to help you feel more safe? I don't want to be the mama bear that goes running into the school and giving them hell. But at the same time, I will do that right. Right. if that's what you need. You know, having a safe home environment is is massive. A lot of mm-hmm. a lot of young people feel unsafe at school and unsafe at home um, with being out. And so if you're already providing a safe home environment, that's massive. Um, even if a child is, is struggling in school, um, if they know that they have a place that they can come to that is safe, that is huge mm-hmm. um, in, in a kid's journey through sexuality and gender identity. And um, you had brought up uh, church, uh, religion, yes. and religious environments. Um, and so I just want to touch on that really quickly to say that um, if you don't feel like your religious community is going to be accepting of your kid when they come out, I cannot encourage you enough to find a different community mm. uh, because there they exist. There are religious communities of every denomination who exist explicitly to accept people of all sexualities and all gender identities. And um, I think that, you know, letting your kid know that they can still have a relationship with their faith uh, while being open about who they are is so important. And it's hard to do because I know that these are like, you know, people that you know. And But if, you're, if your faith community is not going to accept your kid, get out. <laughs> yeah. I, you talk about that in your book. And and I, I when I'm reading about one of the people that you interviewed or sent in a, a mm-hmm. some information it sounded like even like he absolutely accepted his child and and they moved communities but he sounded a little sad and and it, and it's it is important to acknowledge that there is something that you need to give up uh, when you want to protect and support your child in any case. And mm-hmm. if people are not being accepting of your child, yes, you need to give something up and it may feel a bit like a loss. But then imagine the gain of knowing that you walk into your religious community um, yeah. and feel like nobody's talking behind your back. And in this case, that, that guy, you know, had all these friends and all of a sudden they weren't talking to him anymore. Or, I mean, it's, it's, you know, you feel embraced. Mm-hmm. So not just talking about the loss or let's say, you know, some might view it as a sacrifice. Oh, I'm sacrificing what I once believed or who mm-hmm. I used to hang out with, but that you can feel completely supported in a, in another community and, and to know that there will be open arms somewhere else. Yeah, I think that that's an amazing point. There's actually two really amazing points in there. But like the 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 first one is that this is it is going to be hard. It's mm-hmm. not like, you know, I say these things. Um, this is I talk about this a lot. And sometimes the way I say it, it might sound like I'm suggesting that it will be easy. It won't. That's it won't be easy. And, and it's totally fair to feel those conflicting feelings. Mm-hmm. And so much of the book um, that that we're talking about is intended to let the parents know that they are going through a process yes. too, uh, and and that's sort of like what was encapsulated in what you were saying as well, which is that not only like I framed my um, answer just then around the kid will f- your kid needs to be in a in an environment in a faith community etc where they can be themselves, but 
that extends to the parents too, because if you're in a faith community or any community, any uh, you know group of friends where they don't accept your kid, you also are closeted in mm-hmm. a way, right? Like you also are not being your full self because you're you're sort of keeping a bit of your truth to the back, mm-hmm. uh, and that's that's also going to affect the, the parents too, right. the family. I mean, a lot of that is based on fear and and you know worry that you're not going to ever feel like you're supported or you feel like you shouldn't be thinking about yourself, but everybody needs support and everybody wants to feel welcome. You certainly don't want to be walking around feeling like, you know, people are pushing you out or you're no longer good enough. That should not become your problem that Mm -hmm. other people are having trouble with that. So for those parents who admit in your book that they wondered if being gay was a choice, mm. um, hoping it is a phase and the child will grow out of it. What might you say to them and what should they do in order to then wrap their brains around gender identity of their child when they are feeling resistant? Right. Well, so part of the answer is even in in the way that you said that, right, that like those kinds of questions um, are more about you as the parent Mm -hmm. than they are about your child. And that's a really important thing to be uh, aware of for starters. Um, I remember when we were writing this book, we worked with an amazing publisher and an amazing editor. And I think that, um, you know, as as knowledgeable as they were, I think that when we came to this question of, is it a choice? They just expected the answer to be no, Mm. (laughs) right? Because we hear that over and over again. We've heard it for like a decade. It's been like a mantra, like it's not a choice. So accept your kid. And I (laughs) really fight against that kind of um, narrative because it shouldn't matter. It, Mm. it, It shouldn't matter if it's a choice or not a choice. It's implying that Um, you have to accept me because I couldn't choose otherwise implies Mm. that my way of living is, is bad. It's Mm. not good, but I, but it was forced upon me. I didn't choose it. So you got to accept me. I think it's, it's just not a good framework. And so Mm -hmm. we, yeah, we had really, really great conversations with the editors and the, and the publisher and stuff through that process to say, we're not willing, I'm not willing to just put no, I want family members to ask themselves why it matters, Mm. you know? And, and I think that's, that's the same thing with the, with, is it a phase, Mm. right? Why? It shouldn't matter. Like your kid is telling you who they are today. They all of us know that like as years pass, things change. We change. So do you know who you're going to be for the rest of your life? Nobody does. Mm -hmm. But your kid is telling you who they are today. And you have to accept that as their truth today. Um, It it shouldn't matter who they are in in five weeks or five years. Mm. (laughs) You Mm. know, Mm. Mm. I think that's really genius. And and what an important nuance to go into, because that acceptance has to be rooted in just, this is my child today, this is my child yesterday, this is my child tomorrow, and I'm embracing my child, period. So uh, I think that's a really nuanced answer. Now you spend some time in the book talking about how the information regarding your child's sexuality is to be shared with others. And Mm. some question whether the parents should be telling others, if the child should be telling others, or if nobody should be telling anybody because it's nobody's (laughs) business. What are the guidelines around telling family? I mean, like, let's say the child is just told 
their mother and now what now there's other people living in the family or, or extended family close friends schoolmates or the mailman as you put it like what what's <laughs> what are the guidelines Right. We had so much fun with this section of the book, too, because we made like a very fun flow chart uh, of sort of yes. like, you know, answer this question, you know, does your kid want you to tell other people yes or no? Okay, follow that arrow. right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that what that underlines is that this is going to be different for every kid and every parent, every family structure. Um, but it once again comes back to communication with your child. Um, you know, your, your kid might be like, please tell all of my aunts and uncles and grandma, I don't want to deal with it. You just do it, you know? And if you're comfortable with that and your kid is comfortable with that, then great. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, they might not be ready. You might not be ready. And that's the conversation that needs to happen first before people are told, right? I think Mm -hmm. a lot of um, parents accidentally, and and something I should say, so I was going to say a lot of parents accidentally are like, I I told, I already told Aunt Susie, (laughs) I didn't know, I didn't know, you know? Mm -hmm. And, And so the communication first is important, but I'm saying a lot of these, like, don't do this, don't do that. Um, I started at the very beginning of this conversation saying, like, don't don't ask your kid. And I know from having had these conversations for many years now that some parents are listening and they're like, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, believe me. We are all about, like, the apology, the do-over. Right. Like, no, absolutely. We are going to make yeah. mistakes. Yes, because, you know, I'm talking to you as someone who's, whose parent did nearly everything quote incorrect right like, like <laughs> they did not have your book to be you know yeah. to be yes <laughs> it's a process and you can always go back you can always open up these conversations yes. again you know so if you've done any of these things don't feel like oh no i've, I've ruined it <laughs> yes no like a, a complete feeling of whoops and yeah. you know oh my goodness look what i just did and looking back but right. yes we can always have a do-over we can always revisit the conversations absolutely Right. And when it comes to telling other people, you know, I really encourage parents and family members to recognize that this is a coming out for you, too. You know, like it is going to feel hard and uncomfortable. And it's a great way to feel connected to your kid because you are having um, some some semblance of what experience they're having when they come out to people. It's not the same because you're not talking about yourself. But, you know, it's it's hard to say these things to people. Sometimes you don't know how they're going to respond and you know that their response might impact your relationship. And so so that's that's scary and that's big um, and and you know we do it because that's what we have to do to like ensure that our families are be able to to be truthful about who they are but don't you know don't judge yourself don't be too hard on yourself if you hesitate or if it's if it feels like a big thing to lift it is that's real. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that and and acknowledging all of those those issues that people are struggling, that they are going to mess up in every conversation. There is that risk, but we still need to have them. And one of the conversations that I think is really tough and no matter who you're talking to is about the birds and the bees. I was grateful that you had a chapter on that in the book. We have discussed how to talk to kids about sex, about puberty, about porn, about consent, about romance on this (laughs) podcast. It's a topic that I like to explore from every angle because it is 
one of the toughest uh, because I, I think you mentioned in the book it has like an ick factor to it. Like you have to like think about your children, like <laughs> engaging in the no. But right, you, right. you but you do need to you need to put your big girl pants on, your big boy pants on. <laughs> you gotta you gotta get ready. So in your book. You have this chapter about sex and you say the issue outright, whether you are on the comfortable or mortified end of the sex talk spectrum, you are now faced with the prospect of engaging in a dialogue about kinds of sex with which you have little or no experience. I am sure the people who are listening right now are like, yes. So with our adult pants on, if our child has told us that he or she is gay, and you want them to have the information about everything from the mechanics to the safety to the consent. How do you wind up tackling that question of how does sex work when the people are in, who are engaging in it are gay? What do we need to know? And what do kids really want to know from their parents? Right. Well, and it, it, so again, it's going to be so different depending on what kind of relationship you have with your kid. I had the kind of relationship where if my parent even brought up the idea of sex, I put a pillow over my head, <laughs> shut up, shut up, shut up. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to, please no. Um, but I know that I have friends that they, that wasn't their relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had conversations with people who their parent knew that they responded really well to a written thing. So they wrote them an email instead mm. of sitting down face to face, right? There's a lot of options. And I don't think that they're obvious because we just all know of like the sex talk (laughs) yes and it is not the sex talk everybody remember it's a series of many many talks over a long period of time yeah you can't fit it all into one conversation um so i think like something that i like to start with is is the general idea that because it can be really overwhelming when you think about like i only know quote straight sex Mm -hmm. but then there's all this gay sex and it's like really when you break it all down Sex is sex is sex is sex. There are fluids. <laughs> fluids carry things inside of them, and we might exchange them during sexual relations with other people. There mm-hmm. are many ways that can happen. And being heterosexual does not mean you are only having one kind of sex. Mm-hmm. I think we all know that. And so that, I think, can sometimes alleviate a little bit of the the extra fear that mm-hmm. parents might feel. Um, if we really think about the fact that no matter who our kids are, what their sexuality is, uh, we need to tell them how to keep their body safe mm-hmm. <laughs> or safer, I guess that would be more accurate. Um, that's a great place to start. And I think that, and you know, this applies to any parent of any kids. Uh, you're not going to know everything, right? Unless you're, you know, a, a doctor or, you know, mm-hmm. you have a specialization in uh, talking about safer sex. Find resources that you can share with your kid and with yourself because it's great to learn too, but point them in the direction of resources that are inclusive. Um, I run a website called My Kid is Gay, uh, mykidisgay.com. It's sort of an extension of the book and you've done pretty extensive work. You can click on, uh, you know, topics, sex, and there are all sorts of articles and resources there um, that will give you more information and point you to places. There's also a pretty exhaustive resource list that gives you places where you can go yourself or point your kid to. Scarletine is a resource that's online. They've been active for many, many, many years, and they are a sex advice uh, site and they are so inclusive of queer identity. So you know that you could send your kid there to a, a safe place mm. where they will find 
answers to their questions too. So yes. I think that that, you know, obviously we could talk about this for a long time, but, yeah, uh, you know, it, it, the bottom line is that it, no matter who your kid is, um, we all have bodies, they all have fluids. We need to explain various ways in which they can keep themselves safe. And you should have those conversations with your kid, no matter who they, they might be having sex with, because, you know, it's, it's, it's just about safety and there's not that much of a difference. Um, and then point them to the places that they need to go to find more information. I think it's, it's, it's a conversation that many parents trip up on uh, for, for many reasons. Um, and you know, it is important to start early with these conversations and, and keep them open. I believe that many parents rely on a sex talk revolving on pregnancy and yes. having babies, yeah. right? So, so that is that is a difference right there that they can't rely on. Here, I'm going to talk to you about how babies are made, and that encompasses the conclusion of our sex talking mm -hmm. because it, it. First of all, that's not right for anybody. Right. Um, because the conversation does need to revolve around so many different topics. Mm -hmm. But if you know your child is gay, that's not going to be the number one concern of yours. Right. Um, you're going to need to, to really explore what it is that you need to be talking about. And I like the idea of really focusing on making sure you're keeping your body safe and consent and uh, mm -hmm. and hopefully finding romance and love and I, certainly the right. conversations that I've had with my own kids uh, because uh, you, you want them to not be doing this with just anybody hopefully um, that right. they don't know or trust and it's so it's it's important to to look further into this conversation no matter who your child is and uh, I'm glad that I have your voice here and some of those resources so that parents know where to go and also where to send their child. It mm -hmm. says to your child that you're important to me and that you can get your information from trusted sources. One of the things that we're very concerned about for any child, but certainly for the for kids and the LGBTQ and uh, communities, is that because there is a lack of information coming from trusted sources like parents, that they're out looking for the information themselves because they want the information. So do you want to give them the information or do you want them to stumble upon some kind yes. of information? Yes, it really is 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I want to say, too, that um, earlier in our conversation, we talked about sort of making your home an environment yes. where your kid will feel safe. And that extends to this, too. I think a lot of um, parents think about, uh, OK, now that they are, you know, 14 or whatever age, like now it's time to talk about their body and sex. It's like, no, 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 no. There, you know, these conversations should start early at in age appropriate ways. Mm -hmm. But there's um there's a wonderful author uh, whose name is Corey Silverberg, who's uh, written two books, one that's for little kids, um, I believe it's called What Makes a Baby, uh, and, and the second one is for sort of kids in the middle school, a little younger than middle school and middle school age, called Sex is a Funny Word. They are some of the most incredible texts hmm. that I've 
read and they are so inclusive. They are inclusive of so many identities, um, so many abilities, uh, bodies, and, and it's just a really powerful way. And, and what's funny about sex is a funny word is it actually doesn't even get into like sexual intercourse. Mm-hmm. There's more conversation around your own body, consent, masturbation, things like that. And it's done in such an age appropriate way and a responsible way where it's not assuming uh, the gender of your partnership at all. And what makes a baby is incredible because it also doesn't assume the gender of the body that includes sperm and egg. So Mm. these are ways to sort of uh, open up conversations in responsible ways um, for your kids to understand, you know, how how fluid gender is and um, how how much difference there is with sexuality in the world. Mm. So such an important thing. And thank you for also bringing up the you don't know who's got the ovaries in that situation. That's that's really valid, important. You know, you you mentioned in the book about pronouns. Um, It certainly struck me because it's a conversation that is that we have fairly often now because we're hearing more about um, different people in our own lives that are figuring out which pronouns they want to be using. I just literally spoke to a friend of mine yesterday whose child uh, just recently, in the last six months, came out as transgender, but not... (sighs) but not exactly transgender. Mm-hmm. So it's a little gender fluid and I, I'm younger. So I'm maybe not as completely clear as to all the language um, right, around right. that yet. Okay. So I think she might be 12, 13 and maybe is exploring that and has mm-hmm. talked about they, them, but then there was a different spelling that was also explored. They, them, I think. And uh, I am very curious about how we can understand pronouns and their importance. I think we should talk about their importance, but also how how do we know what we're doing? Like, how do we, how do we, how do we do this? And as an English major, it's like, you gotta, you gotta just uh, relax the rules here and, and embrace it. So I want to be as inclusive as possible. And I know a lot of people who are listening do, but I think there's some confusion around it. So if you can explain that, that'd be great. Yeah. So I love, I love the way that you ask this question. It sort of like encapsulates um, how how overwhelming and sort of confusing and and large these conversations can feel. Mm-hmm. And I think I just I can like picture your listeners hearing you and identifying so deeply yes. with the way that you need through that on your own. And I think that's really important uh, because. Because, you know, I think that um, the word transgender sort of came into most of our consciousness by being this like very clear cut, like yes. you are born and you were assigned a female, yes. and now you uh, identify as male, right? And so we all thought we got it. We, um, did, we, we thought we got it, especially like my friend, uh, Jessica Herthel, who wrote um, I Am Jazz, like the children's book yes. with Jazz yes. Jennings. Okay, so that I, I went to school with her. I love her. We love each other. She's amazing. I'm so like I got to read the galley copy. I'm psyched oh, about the book. And and it did feel so clear cut. So when my <laughs> friend was literally talking to me about it yesterday and was like, okay, my child wants to have top surgery, but likes wearing earrings and wants to wants to be a different name, but also is like 40% female some days, but 5% another. I 
I was like, okay, like I, I want to support this. I just don't understand completely how this works. Right. And, and I think like, so from, from my vantage point, you know, as a person who has, has many trans um, friends and has, has had so many conversations, it's so exciting to me, right? Very different. I'm sure that it feels for some parents who are just like, what? But what, what, the, what that is, like, is, is the fact that we are starting to pull apart gender yes. in ways that I think can be really scary um, for people who have lived longer with an, a clear cut idea of what gender is, but can be really exciting and empowering for younger people who are able to actually see gender as something very different than yes. what we see it as. And so, you know, embracing the fact that you're like, what? Like, that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, it's really just that you're not saying, what? No, right, I right. know that this is not true. Right. Um, it's just, you or know, finding... they must have something wrong with them, or they should be checked psychologically, right? Like people have all right, kinds of excuses. Right. And you know, because of course, you know, the experience of coming out as, as trans is so different for mm -hmm. everyone. And you, you have, you know, perhaps a 16 year old child who's saying, I'm coming out as trans, I identify as non-binary, I'm going to use they, them pronouns. I've journeyed through this and this is what I'm telling you. It's, it's, you know, clear cut to put quotes around it, right? right. Like this, this child is coming to you um, at sort of, it's not the end of the journey, but they, they are establishing it as the end, right? Like this is, this is who I am. This is what you do. This is my name. These are my pronouns, right? But then you have experiences like the ones that you just gave voice to where kids are coming to their parents saying, I'm exploring, I'm playing and yes. I want you to um, play with me. And by play, I'm, I'm not using that word lightly. Like it's, right. it's a game. I just mean like they are exploring what it is to be in their body in a world that says gender is one of two things, but knowing thankfully that it is not one of two things and playing around with how they feel comfortable in their skin, um, how they feel comfortable being referred to. Um, and, and as a parent, if you get to be a part of that journey, that is an honor and a privilege that is yes. so wonderfully exciting and, and, you know, not pressuring anyone to get there with the snap of a finger, but it is really beautiful if you get to be a part of that with your child as well. Um, and you know, to, to answer the, the, maybe the easier question in terms of pronouns, um, pro I, I often, so I have, I highly recommend that people download a, an e-care package that I have. It's completely free. Um, all of the resources that I've created, um, both myself and with other people, are, are all free. Um, MyKidIsGay.com. And we, last year, released uh, an e-care package for parents of trans kids. Now, I, I wish that everyone would download it because it was created by a, a team of people who identify as trans. Um, and there are these worksheets that are remarkable that ask you to examine your own relationship to gender because I think that for so many people they think right if I was assigned male at birth and I identify as a guy then I don't have a relationship to gender right like I just am what the doctor said I am so but no we all do right some of us identify as as women and we love to get our nails done we love to get our hair done some of us identify as women and we're like no way no thank you to any of that we all negotiate gender and the more that we can understand mm. that the easier it is to understand what our kids are experiencing. Um, think about what she would feel like if you go by she, her, and somebody was calling you he, him. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. That's the dissonance, right? If you left your door one day and all of a sudden everybody was saying, thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Uh, really appreciate that. And you're like, what? It's, ha it's so right. dissonant. Or calling you by a different name or, yes. you know, it's, you're just, it's jarring to yes. you because it feels unnatural. Yes. 
And it takes time. I use a metaphor all the time with like parents, family, friends who are adjusting to new pronouns um, that I thought of years ago, years ago, where if you have a desk and you have a garbage can and your garbage can is on the right side of your desk and you Mm -hmm. rearrange your office and your garbage can is on the left side of your desk, for like at least a few weeks, you're gonna be throwing your garbage right on the floor, right? And then like, and then like you're gonna go, ooh, almost throw it on the floor, hesitate, pivot, get it in the right there place. There you go. Or you yeah, correct yourself. Exactly. You throw it on the floor, then you pick it back up and you put it in the right spot. I'm Precisely. okay with that. Yeah. Uh, and so that's you're, the you're mistake, forming- right? Yeah, you're forming new pathways, you yes. know, and, and it's okay. It's, it's a challenge and just correct yourself when you make a mistake and try again and use your kids' pronouns when they are not there as well because yes. otherwise you're not going to be able to make the adjustment. You can't only do it when they're in the room. You have to do it when you're talking to other people about them. Yes, and uh, one of my friends has, because it's newer, has told me that she winds up just calling her child by the name that she was told yeah. to call mm-hmm. her by, you know, and, and so not ready for the pronouns because she, it, it, my friend doesn't want to confuse her, her own self. Like she's mm-hmm. just trying, but it's just like, I'm I, I'm just calling my child by the name that I was yep. given and, you know, going from there. And I'm, I'm sure she will be able to, you know, navigate the pronouns as, and, and, and the, the child is actually still, like I said, trying to figure out the pronoun situation. Right. So I think that's, right. you know, great. Uh, just to, just to put high beams on this, that when you're talking about maybe using those, see those, the correct pronouns for your child, that it really is important. When I did interview Jessica Arthel on our podcast on how to talk to kids about transgender youth, we were talking about how how high risk this group is mm-hmm. and that many of them are cast out, cast aside by, by families. Many of them, you have a high incidence of, of transgender youth on the streets. You've got a high suicide rate because they, they, they don't feel accepted. And by using the name that they're giving you and the pronouns that they're giving you, it acknowledges that they are important, they are valuable, mm-hmm. and that they are part of your world. So yeah. I, I just I just want to underscore that as yeah. this is not a small thing, as just as as you just told us that if you were being called by the wrong name or the wrong pronouns, it would be a big thing to you too. Yeah, yeah, and using your your kid's name and pronouns is a very clear way of saying I recognize you, I believe you, I accept you, I love you, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and I think most kids have room for the fact that when they change pronouns or name, sometimes you're going to slip. You've had, you know, 12, yes. 13, 14, 18 years of saying one thing. That's okay. I'm sorry. I recognize I, I just used, you know, your, I, I didn't use the right name. Yes. Um, and I'm correcting that. It doesn't have to make a big deal out of it. It doesn't have to be a big thing. Just recognize right. it, correct it forward moving, you know? Yes. And thankfully, uh, my friend is so accepting and flexible and loving. And, and so is her family. And I, I just had mentioned to her, just thank goodness that this child is in a family yeah. that is like that, because not everybody has that. So give us your top tip. What is the top thing that you would <laughs> like everybody to come away with after listening to this podcast? 
Oh, gosh. It's hard to narrow it to one, but I will say that I often wish that the title of our book, though it, it wouldn't be the best for the selling of the book, was just, this is a book for parents of kids. Mm. Um, I, I really, truly believe that if you are a parent of any child, um, learning about the LGBTQ community, uh, learning how to make your home uh, one that is loving and welcoming to people of all sexualities and all gender identities, in, in making your conversations inclusive is so powerful because you never know how your child is identifying and you also don't know who's in your child's life that might be going through things. So mm. perhaps if I have to narrow it to one, it would just be that this is a message, this is a podcast, this is a conversation for all parents. It's not just for parents who think their kids might be gay or mm. are gay. Thank you for that. That is important because everybody can be a supportive part of all kids and all communities. Mm. Uh, and that it's true that you don't know even if your child is seven years old and they've got friends over you know you don't know who is going to be coming out as gay bisexual transgender i mean you may have a hunch every once in a while about certain children but you want to make sure that they always feel welcome no matter who they are just like you would hope your child feels welcome no matter who they are if they go to somebody else's home or they're in somebody else's community yeah Uh, give us the resource of the week where can we go to get more information about you your book and the great work you're doing um, well, I think that uh, definitely applicable to this conversation, um, the website that I run, mykidisgay.com, is a pretty uh, big site for finding all sorts of resources, downloadable e-care packages, all sorts of things over there. Um, for me, um, my website is uh, Kristen Nolene, uh, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. And there you can find um, not only my work with LGBTQ communities, but also the podcast that I do um, and, and that um, that's spelling of my name is also my Twitter and Instagram handles, and I'm fairly active on social media. So you can find me in any of those places. Um, but certainly, um, if you want to dig more into what we talked about today, um, mykidisgay.com is just full of resources gathered over uh, nearly a decade. Perfect. Well, I just want to thank you so much for coming on today, for educating us, for talking uh, to us about all these topics, and making what seems like difficult conversations seem much easier. So I I just love what you talked about and with regard to inclusivity, but also feeling like we're included in this conversation, all parents, um, and that we can be part of helping people feel accepted and loved and valued no matter who they are. So thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much for prioritizing a conversation like this. It's so appreciated. Oh, it is my pleasure. Well, I've got my takeaways and sweet friends. I know you have yours. So let's discuss them. Come up on Facebook. You can go to the Dr. Robin Silverman page. We can chat about it at drrobinsilverman.com or twitter.com slash drrobin. I am also on Instagram under Dr. Robin Silverman. And I'll be creating some memes based on what you heard today. Kristen said some incredible things that I just thought to myself, oh, yep, there's a meme. I definitely want to share that quote. That is awesome. Then you can share it with your friends and family and followers. 
And if you love this podcast like I did, I hope you'll go up to iTunes and rate and review it so other people will learn about all the things that Kristen is doing and how to use her scripting, her solutions in your own home and in their homes. I truly appreciate it. That's all the time we have for today, my fellow parents, leaders, and educators. Thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. There's so many great podcasts up there, and the show notes to this podcast will be up there as well. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even when things are not going right, and we all have those days You've got this. You're here. You're getting the information you need. And on the days that we fall short, you know we all have them. Never forget there's always tomorrow. We talked about that earlier. You may have said something. You may have done something. You may think, oh my goodness, what have I done? It is okay. You've got the information now. You can go back and you can try again. Parenting is the ultimate do-over. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know that you are 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting to the conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.